Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran on this 11th Sunday at Pentecost. So we gather together to hear God's word proclaimed to us. Uh, before we begin worship, uh, just one brief announcement from me, which is a reminder that newsletter articles will be due next week. So if you have anything for the newsletter, please get that in this coming week. Other announcements or prayer requests that you have? Yeah. Keep Carol's family in prayer. Well, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. and I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are out of sin and cannot forgive ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister in the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy. Christe eleison. Christ have mercy. Kyrie eleison.
Let us pray. O God, our defender, storms rage around and within us and cause us to be afraid. Rescue your people from despair. Deliver your sons and daughters from fear and preserve us in the faith of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from 1 Kings. At Horeb, the Mount of God, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your people with a sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall, not, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. You also shall, an, shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of the Lord. Psalm today is Psalm 85, verses 8 through 13, which we'll read responsibly. I will listen to what the Lord God is saying for you speak peace to your faithful people and to those who turn their hearts to you. Steadfast love and faithfulness have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The Lord will indeed grant prosperity, and our land will yield its increase. Second reading is from Romans. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law. 
that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and is so justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The word of the Lord. According to St. Matthew, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we continue this morning in the book of Romans. 
Last week in Romans 9, we heard that God's word does not fail. We heard that God's word has not failed the Jewish people. We heard that the true descendants of Abraham are those who have faith in the promises of God. And these are the promises given to us through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Saving faith is to trust in these promises given to us in Christ. And so we're reminded that we're not saved by external things. We're not saved because of our ancestry or our family. We're not saved by what we do, but we're saved because God gives us faith to hold on to his word. So we're reminded that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, American, Nigerian, whoever you are, you are saved by trusting in Christ alone. In Romans 10, then, the big idea grows onto this. The big idea that Paul wants us to hear is that God's promises to you are now delivered through the preaching of the word. And salvation is available to all, Jew or Gentile, American, Nigerian, whatever it is. Salvation is available to all through preaching. Our reading from Romans 10 begins with a little explanation of Deuteronomy chapter 9 and Deuteronomy chapter 30. So in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy was a sermon that Moses had delivered to the Israelites as they stood on the brink of entering the Promised Land. A generation had passed since the Israelites left Egypt, and now it was time for the new generation to be led into the Promised Land. In Deuteronomy 9, Moses reminds the people that they're inheriting the land only because God has promised it to them, and that he has made a promise to their father Abraham. They're not being given the land because they're more righteous, because there's something uniquely special about them. They're not inheriting the land by their own merit, but by God's promise. And they will take the land only by God's strength. And so Moses is warning the people not to put confidence in themselves or their own abilities, but to trust in God alone. And then in Deuteronomy 30, Moses preaches to the people that the word of God is near them. He says, when you get to the promised land, the word of God will be there with you. You don't have to ascend to heaven to find it. You don't have to descend to the abyss to find it. You don't have to travel across the ocean to find it. But Moses promises that God's word will be near them. But Paul says when, Mo when Moses says this, the Jewish people interpret it as law. They hear that the word of the law is near them. They know that God's command and God's demands of them are near them. And so they had falsely come to believe that they were being saved because they had God's law. They had his commands and demands. And so they had this idea that God was near to them because the law was near to them. St. Paul is going to read it a little bit differently for us, though. St. Paul is going to connect these ideas, but instead of talking about the word as law, he's going to talk about the word as Jesus Christ, who is the gracious good news for us. Jesus is the word that does it all for us. And so Paul is going to proclaim to us that we're not saved by our own merits, but we are saved by what Christ does for us alone. And so we don't have to do great spiritual feats to access this word. We don't have to ascend, by heaven, ascend to heaven by following the law, because we can't do it. So instead, Paul preaches differently to us. 
He says that Jesus Christ is near to you now. The word of God is not far from you, but near. And you don't have to work to bring Jesus down to you. You don't have to live a perfect life in hopes that Christ will come be your friend. You don't have to do some majestic spiritual experience to get close to Christ. Instead, he comes down to you. Christ is near to you. And this leads up to the big point of Romans 10. Christ is near to you not through doing the law, not through being perfectly obedient by being good, but Christ comes near to you through hearing the proclamation of the gospel. Here, here's what Paul says in Romans 10. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? How are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? And you can see the chain of reasoning here. Unless we have a preacher, we won't know Christ. Unless someone delivers the gospel to us, how can we know it? It is through preaching that God brings Christ to you. You hear the good news of what Christ has done for you, how he has taken on flesh for you, how he has died for the forgiveness of your sins, and then hearing that gospel, the Holy Spirit opens your ears and opens up your heart. Faith is hearing that good news and trusting in it for your salvation. God works through the means of the preached word to you. God works through your ears and then into your heart. And God always works through means on our behalf. We are bodily creatures. We experience the world through our senses. And so God often gives us external means to bring Christ to us. We hear the word preached with our ears. We hear it, whether it's from this pulpit, whether it's from the altar at Holy Communion, whether it's at the font at baptism. These are all the places that the word of God is being preached to you for the forgiveness of your sins. And the proclaimed word, this message preached to you, is how God produces faith in your heart. The proclaimed word, the preached word, is where Christ is near to us. This also means that no one is going to be saved apart from the preached word. No one has faith without the word being preached to them. And this is exactly what St. Paul argues. How are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And in this we can distinguish law and gospel because everyone in the world knows morality. Everyone in the world knows something of the law in their hearts. Everyone everywhere has some sense of right and wrong. Everyone knows that they do wrong things. Everyone knows what it is to hurt someone else. Everyone knows that they don't live up to a perfect standard. Everyone knows that the world is a messed up and dangerous place. That's universal. However, people don't know the gospel unless it's preached to them. People don't know the forgiveness of sins unless they have a preacher who stands before them and tells them that their sins are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. Without a preacher of the gospel, People will live in guilt and shame and doubt, feeling that they have failed in this world. With a preacher, however, God gives his people the opportunity to hear that they are forgiven by calling upon Christ. That's why Paul can quote the prophet Isaiah, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. To have a preacher of the gospel is the grace of God. And Lutherans don't believe that the preaching office, the pastoral office of word and sacrament, is just something made up by men. Instead, we believe that the preaching office is instituted by God as the means by which God brings faith to the hearts of sinners. And we have to be really careful here. Because we're not saying that the power is in the person who stands in a pulpit. The power is not that your pastor is a great speaker. It's not that your pastor is kind or intelligent. It's not that you connect with your pastor or that you like them personally. But the power comes in the proclamation of the word. It is the word of God that does it all. The preacher is simply there to be God's instrument in the office of the ministry. This means, as St. Paul says, that the person who fills this pulpit is sent to you by the Holy Spirit for your sake. The word that the preacher proclaims to you is the word that God uses to make faith in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. This also means that any preacher who stands in a pulpit has a responsibility and a sacrifice to make because a preacher of the gospel doesn't get to come into a pulpit and speak what is on his or her mind. A preacher doesn't get to share opinions. The preacher isn't here to entertain, to share cute stories. The preacher isn't here to try to manipulate you into believing something or feeling something. Instead, the preacher is called to stand before you and to preach to you the word of, the word of God. And so you must judge every preacher on that standard. You can ignore opinions from the pulpit, you can ignore jokes from the pulpit, you can ignore cute stories, but you must not ignore the proclamation of the word because that is where Christ is near to you. Now, culturally, the vocation of preacher has become a joke to many. Right on television, you can see preachers who are shady salesmen peddling some false gospel of prosperity. In movies and literature, we often see preachers as fools and drunkards, adulterers, who deserve to be scorned. And in reality, many of us know preachers who stand in pulpits, who do everything but give their congregation the gospel, who tell jokes, who tell motivational stories, who come unprepared, who say little about the word of God. And all of these are ways in which the devil undermines the gift that God gives us in his office of the preached word. But what God wants you to know is that the word proclaimed is how he brings you the promises. Nowhere else. This is why the congregation exists. This is why we as Christians come together and why it's so important for us not to neglect coming to worship. In fact, this is precisely what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Hebrews says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of sun, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we hear that part, right? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. We must not neglect coming to hear the word preached to us. Not because coming to church is about doing something good for God. Not because God needs us to come to church. Not because God needs our tithes and our offerings. 
but because your faith is given to you through the preached word. When you neglect coming together in worship, you turn away from how the Holy Spirit produces faith in your heart. And let's be clear, you're not saved by church attendance. However, God wants us to come together to hear his word being preached because this is how he's going to bring the gospel to us. And so church attendance itself is never just about a box to check off of your good works. Instead, it's about God wanting to deliver his gracious promises to you through the preaching of his word. He wants you to know the presence of Christ in your life. God wants the faith of your heart to trust more and more in his graciousness. And so he has given you the gift of his word being preached to you for the forgiveness of your sins. So when we as Christians neglect that gift, we do so at the peril of our very faith. And so let me close to you with giving you the promise. Because this is the promise that every preacher is called to give to you as a congregation. And that is the promise here that Paul delivers to us in Romans chapter 10. When you call on the name of Christ, you are saved. This means, dear Christian, that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are saved. Not because of anything you do, not because you've shown up this morning, but because God has shown his love for you in his Son. Call on Jesus Christ and you are saved. There's nothing else. Do not doubt it, but trust it. You are saved. And in fact, Jesus Christ is near you right now. And he has come to you right now not to condemn you, but to give you life. Believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins. And God promises, he promises in his word that you will not be put to shame. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen.
stand and proclaim our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, as the only Son of the world, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, you laid the foundations of the earth and set bounds and limits to all things. We give you thanks for your glorious creation, including our own bodies and souls. In our sin, we have earned for ourselves death, and your creation has been subjected to futility. Yet in your Son, you give us forgiveness and new life. Help us now to live in righteousness through faith in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, your word is near to the hearts of your people. Grant them courage to speak the gospel faithfully before the world. Let those who hear confess Jesus Christ as Lord and be saved. Remember now all who endure persecution for his name and strengthen them for a bold witness. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, we ask you to raise up pastors, teachers, missionaries, and servants for all church work vocations. Bless church planters and new congregations that they may endure, and bring hope and renewal to all struggling congregations and to the pastors who serve them. Do not let fear keep us from your word. Lord, in your mercy. Grant wisdom, discernment, health, and strength to all who are in authority, especially to our President Joseph, our Congress, our Governor Richard Michael, the legislature of this state, and to all judges and magistrates. Give them grace to serve in view of your goodness and your love for all people. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you supported St. Peter in his doubts and fears. Keep us from sinking into despair when we suffer the trials of this life. Be with those who are in need, especially Jim, Matt, Charlie, Jane, Lynn, Eileen, Nancy, Nancy, Jamie, Martha, Rose, John, Brandy, Marilyn, Virgil, Tony, Carolyn, and Amanda. Grant us your spirit also that our hearts may not waver and keep us in the grasp of your grace that we may not lose our way or be overcome by struggle. Lord, in your mercy. And gracious Lord, give ear to the prayers of your people and lead us to trust in your mercy without fear, that we may be confident that you will grant to us all things needful to us and our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
us pray. Praise and thanks to you, holy God, for by your word you made all things. You spoke light into darkness, called forth beauty from chaos, and brought life into being. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word, you called your people Israel to tell of your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with you. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, your word made flesh, you speak to us and call us to witness, forgiveness through the cross, life to those entombed by death, the way of your self-giving love. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Send your spirit of truth, O God, rekindle your gifts within us, renew our faith, increase our hope, and deepen our love for the sake of a world in need. Faithful to your word, O God, draw near to all who call on you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now gathered by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
מעבר לזה. 